morning, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Good morning. It is a good morning, isn't it? Wonderful name, what a wonderful name it is. Amen. The name of Jesus. As they're continuing to uh, take up the offering. Um, we serve an amazing God, don't we? And um, he's a whole lot better than we think he is. Amen. And as we're in the summer vacation time, I, we see that many are out, but I want to encourage you to not check out. Amen. Keep your heart engaged in the Lord. God doesn't go on vacation. Aren't you glad? Amen. Amen. And vacations are times for rest and retreat, and they're good things. And uh, I challenge us all to in this summertime, definitely not allow the summer to be what gets you distracted from your intimacy with God. Amen? Amen. Don't let summer be a time where you check out, but that you actually check in. Amen? And uh, we've been talking about living holy over the last several weeks, and today is my final message on uh, living holy. And... um, and I think that the Lord is going to, uh, today's message is going to be more of the application of what we've been talking about. And uh, I've titled them in this, this last one, Changed by His Glory. And if we're going to live holy, we, we must be changed by His glory. That's actually how it takes place. And that's how we get to that place of living holy and getting rid of the junk in our trunk. Amen. And so uh, all of us have been in the process of getting rid of junk in our trunk over the last several weeks, and I've been really, really thankful as I've heard testimonies of what God is doing in people's lives. No one left behind, amen? Amen. Get ready is what the declaration has been made over this house, and uh, some maybe not taking it seriously, but I believe God's going to draw those who aren't taking it seriously back in, and, uh, but there is a really a remnant in this house that is getting serious about the junk in their trunks. And they're, they're, they're doing something about it. They're moving forward, and I'm excited about that. And the Lord's been helping us in the services. Even last week, there, last Sunday was just a powerful, powerful service. And we had an amazing time in God where he manifested his glory in such a way. Uh, did anybody else feel the powerful presence last week of God? Glad two or three did. You weren't here. You missed it, man. You missed it. You, you were here, weren't you? Yeah, I left after worship. You left at worship. No, I was talking about worship and the rest of the service. No, it was worship, and it carried into the Word. And oh, by the way, they're getting induced tomorrow, so be praying for Mike and Ashley. They're going to they're put that Pitocin or whatever you call that stuff in her and start bringing things to a, to a, to a head, literally. No pun intended. The last week, worship was really, really intense, and we really pressed into the glory and the presence of God. And even today was different, but yet there, the, the glory of the presence of God was amazing. And I even heard a few comments where even that the presence of God in worship was so intense, it even made some people feel uncomfortable. Like, wow, this is just a little too radical. This is just a little too intense, and that's okay. That is okay. Even some of the prophetic words that we've been getting have been things like uh, step out into the unknown, get uncomfortable. Sometimes the presence of God, his glory is uncomfortable. It's like we don't know what to do. We come to a place where worship kind of billows and billows and as people respond to the worship team and the worship team responds back and God responds and we respond back to God, it's like, it's like there's an inflation going on inside of us as the glory of God is being manifest and felt, but sometimes it can be uncomfortable. It's like, mm, these guys are going into a place that... That's a little wacky. Yeah, I understand that. I really do. Because the glory of God has a way of changing us if we'll yield to it 
and not resist it. If we'll get in the river and say, I'm uncomfortable, but... I'm uncomfortable, and I've not been this place, and I'm going to yield to what maybe these wackos think's going on because there was something going on last, last week. There was something going on with the presence of God. And then it carried on into the message of God's glory and His manifest presence. And there was something that was just, in the Spirit, changing. And I want to encourage you, don't get freaked out about worship. Don't withdraw. Be willing to get uncomfortable, to get out of your comfort zone of your experience with God and let us go deeper. And whatever that means, I'm hoping to make sense of that a little bit today. Because in my message, message last week, we talked about how the heavens declare the glory of God. And the in, I talked about the eternal sermon being preached night after night, day after day, by what God has made. That we see the glory of God by what He has made. Amen? Amen. And hopefully this week you looked at the stars. Did anybody look at the stars this week? Yeah. Come on, I hope you did. Please. If you didn't, please keep, keep, please do, do. Hopefully you went outside and you began to look at the glory of God that's manifested all the way around us. But we took a journey last week on making the size of our God bigger by looking at his glory, by what he has made. And uh, I believe God did some work in our hearts. And um, today, uh, I even appreciated this week, um, Michelle Stewart sent me a, a video, and hopefully you guys saw that on Facebook that went right along with my message. And it's a third day song, The God of Wonders Beyond Our Galaxy. You are holy, holy. You guys know that song? The universe displays your majesty. You are holy, holy. God of heaven and earth. I won't sing it. I will spare you the, the, the soundtrack from Eric. But if we're going to bring down our giants, we talked about how we've got to enlarge God. And we've got to begin to gaze or to begin to, to, um, to look at the size of our God versus the size of our giants or our strongholds in our life, whichever one of you came with, with some of those hanging on you today. And maybe even some of those strongholds kept you from being able to cross over into worship. Sometimes your mind, you just can't get it into the presence of God. Sometimes you have a, a struggle getting there. Anybody been there, done that? And then this week also, Alger, if you're on our email prayer chain, he sent out a video, and that video talked about the, the names of God, the characters of God, all his, and I, it was really great because my wife had on worship music at home this week, and she had that playing of the names of God, and, and, and uh, she was doing her devotion to the, to the names of God, and she goes, oh man, listen to this one, Eric, and she brought it over to me, and we started listening to it together. So there, there's some things that we can do during our week to, to, to manifest the glory of God, to talk about how big our God is, to begin to get it on the inside of us. Amen? And so hopefully you've been doing that. And so, But today what I want to do is we're going to go on a journey today to take what we've been talking about in many of the messages over the last several weeks, and today is the practical application. Everybody say practical application. We want to go for the practical application of truth today so that our lives can get transformed, so that the giants in our life will fall, so we begin to live holy with our God. Amen? And so today, this is the part that most Christians fall down at, is the practical application of how to apply truth and how to bring it into their life so that when we're talking about living holy, that actually it begins to happen. And so today is the part of James chapter 2 that says, Don't be mere hearers of the word, but be ye doers of the word. That we're going to talk about today the application of, of being 
beholding the glory of God, and as we behold the glory of God, that that glory begins to manifest itself in my life, and it begins to transform me, and it begins to make me the beautiful butterfly that's in the cocoon that looks like a worm. We all look like worms in our flesh. But the pressure of the cocoon and that, 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 that larvae coming out of the cocoon, that pressure of life, the trials of life coming out of the cocoon, I become an amazing, beautiful butterfly as I behold the beauty of God. That work, that work of, of sanctification, that work of going through trials and glorifying my God in the trial that I become this beautiful butterfly that opens its wing and I'm able to fly and I become an eagle of the Lord and I become amazing in displaying the kingdom of heaven and manifesting the kingdom of heaven around me because I've become something, because I've beheld something. And it's this application of bringing that to the Christian's life that we as the people of God, we have got to apply truth because it's applying the truth that I become something. And so today's about applying truth, and we're going to have fun applying truth. Because the prophetic words that have been being spoken in our services, that praise God, Sam Lunt, has, he, is, he is scribing them, and they get put in your bulletin, and some of you use them to start the trash. I know, they light the trash at home with the bulletin insert. Some of them end up in the trash before you leave. And sometimes we don't apply the truth that God speaks here on Sunday morning to our life. And we read them and go, oh, great. That was pretty cool. God spoke. No, God is speaking. Are we going to reverence what he is saying? That's part of the glory of God. And what he's been speaking over the last several weeks, step into the unknown. Get uncomfortable. Go deeper. Go into the secret place with God. Don't be satisfied with an outer court experience. Don't be satisfied with an inner court experience or a holy court experience. But this church is moving to a holy of holies experience and encounter with God. And that, that prophetic word is about the temple. When the children of Israel went into the temple of God, there was the outer court and that, that, that when you went, the whole temple was holy and the presence of God was there and they could go in the outer court and it was still holy, but it wasn't as close to God as if you went into the inner court. And then there was the holy court. And then there was the only, the inside, the holy of holies that the priest could only come to once a year at the Day of Atonement. And that's where the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, the cherubim was, and the smoke of God's presence. And that priest would go in there and offer up atonement for the sins of God's people once a year. But God says, you are a kingdom of priests and you don't have to come to me once a year or once a week or once a month but you can come to the holy of holies of my glory and my presence every day because you are a kingdom of priests you are a holy nation my prized possession you can come into that place with me. And some are satisfied with watching other people experience God. Even in our services, some people just watch other people experience the glory of God. Yeah, I just, hey, man, did you see what that one did? Yeah, I don't get it either, man. And so you can have an outer experience, a court experience. And you can watch from a distance, or you can go a little closer, go a little deeper, get a little more uncomfortable. And so we're on that journey. And so what is the practical application for the Christian when God says, come a little deeper? Come on out a little farther into the water. Even the McMasters, when they were here, talked about us being in the sand, and the heavy sand is about the flesh. And staying out there or you can get a little closer to the ocean maybe feel the waves on your feet 
or you can get out into the deep and the riptides will actually take you further out. It gets dangerous. It gets scary out into the unknown. How many want to go into the riptide? How many want to be swept away with God's presence? I'm not satisfied where I'm at. Are you satisfied where you're at? So this secret place, literally the secret place, when that prophetic word comes to us, the word secret means to be done without the knowledge of others. See, God's wanting you to have an experience with him that is not observed by other people. See, what you see today is you're getting your jig on and your worship on before, but everybody sees that. But when God's saying, I want to take you to the secret place, I'm wanting to take you into the hidden places with me that nobody sees. And what he's saying is, I want you to go to the secret place. I want to go to you to go to your prayer closet. I want you to go to a, whatever atmosphere that you're looking to create with me. I want you to go there where it's just you and me, and you're not getting the, you're not getting the opinions of man, or somebody else is watching you worship, or somebody else, and you're getting fed by what other people see you do. Because I do feed on your worship. And you feed off other people's worship. But the Lord says, where I'm taking this church, where I'm taking this people, is I want to take this people into hiddenness of my presence. See, some people can't worship without people around. Some people can't worship without an instrument. Some people can't worship unless they're doing something. God says, I want to take you someplace different. I want you to go deeper, far down underneath the surface. Deeper, down below the surface of the water is where I want to take you. And so our text today, if you have your Bibles with you, the text today is going to be out of 2 Corinthians 3, 18, and I'll have you give you some time to get there if you have your Bibles, if you have your electronic devices. For those that you don't have anything with you, it will be up on the screen. And this is going to be our text today. And there's going to be other people that help us, help me preach this message. Because I've asked for some help. And so we're going to start out of 2 Corinthians 3.18, and I want us to all read this together. Because we need to, out loud, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And we're going to make this declaration. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I'm going to read it again. And we all, who with unveiled faces, and what that's saying is our faces have not, are, are no longer veiled because we've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. We're not under the old law where Moses was, there was a veil, there was, a mis, there was not an ability to understand because there was a veil. And But we, because we know Christ, we have unveiled faces so that we can contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now I want to look at two other translations of this scripture. we got them side by side here. And let's look at this through the New King James Version. He, he uses a different word. But we all, with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the lord are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory that's good news by the way the esv says and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of god or the glory of the lord excuse me are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Yeah. 
It comes from him. See, the awesome glory of our God has always had a tremendous impact (laughs) on the individuals that have come close to it. The glory of the Lord has always had transformative impact on the people who come close to him. Now, what happened with Moses when he came close to God? For 40 days, he went up on Mount Sinai, and he came into the presence of the Almighty God. And what happened to Moses? Do you guys remember? It wasn't a sunburn. But he came down off of the mountain, and the children of Israel saw him, and he shone with the glory of God. His face was shining with the glory of God because it transformed Moses' outward appearance because he was in the presence of Almighty God. He was spending time in his presence, and it changed him. Matter of fact, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, 7, it tells us that the glory of God had such a transformative impact that the children of Israel couldn't even fix their eyes on Moses' face. The Moses' countenance had changed. And this is a prophetic declaration of how we're to change by being in the manifest presence and beholding the glory of God. And I'm on this journey, and so are you. Can I have an amen on that? And what's really cool about the, the, the glory of the new covenant, Paul says that it, the old covenant came in such glory and it manifested itself through, the, through Moses. But the new covenant that comes in Christ is so much more glorious. Matter of fact, he, Paul compares and he says, matter of fact, the, the glory that came with Moses faded. The glory didn't stay. But the glory of what is in Christ, it doesn't fade. It actually goes from glory to glory. It moves, it moves, and it moves. And it moves and manifests in you. And if it's not moving and manifesting in you, and you are not becoming like him, if you're not changing in his glory from glory to glory, it's because you are not beholding his presence. You're not contemplating the glory of the Lord. And so this is where it's going to get in the application. You guys want to go there? So how do we do this stuff? Because the glory came on Moses' face for a time, and then it faded away. But the glorious presence of Christ exceeds that glory. And for you to be transformed, you must contemplate or you must behold his glory. And so what does it mean for a Christian in Newcastle, Indiana? What does it mean to behold the glory of God? What does it mean for you sitting in those nice padded chairs in an air-conditioned place like this? What does it mean for you to behold God's glory and to contemplate God's glory? So what I did is I began to do a word study on the Greek definition of behold and contemplate. And this is the definition of what that means. And we're going to dive into that because this is the application, church. Hello. This is where the rubber meets the road for your life. It means that you are to be looking at or viewing with continued attention to observe or study thoughtfully to think fully and deeply about God there's a word in there called deliberate and deliberate means a plan that you're deliberately consider the deliberate consideration or to share and look intent look into admiringly to look, to, oh boy, there we go. To share and look into admiringly. I don't even use that word, but that's what was in the definition. To think, to ponder, and to meditate continually. To keep observing and looking at without stopping. Friends, I don't do that enough. 
Friends, I don't gaze, meaning to look steadily and intently with great curiosity. I love this. Great curiosity, interest, and pleasure and wonder. How many are looking and gazing upon God and his glory with great curiosity, with great interest, with great pleasure, and great wonder? Now, I, I do it. And there's times where I'm going, God, I just wonder, what, what, what do you mean by that? I'm curious, God, where, what, what do I, what's this mean? I mean, there's treasure hunts in the Word of God. There's things where God takes me to places and I go, dang, you're good. <laughs> Whoa. Anybody ever done that? And this wonder, this pleasure comes up inside of me. The word ponder also is a part of the, the, the definition of beholding and contemplating, meaning to weigh carefully in the mind. Now, last week, I talked about the, the expanse of the universe. I talked about the glory of God. and That was just an attempt to get you to, no, it was to give you a revelation of the size of our God so that we can start concentrating on him. But you realize I'm not even transformed by looking at creation. I'm transformed by looking at him. Creation is just a metaphor of the beauty of God. Creation is just, we can't worship creation, we have to worship the creator. And so everything that we see in the amazing universe is not to be just looked at because of the stars and the moon are so amazing, and just because it would take you 51 billion years in a jet plane to travel from here to the next star. That is really cool, and it's really amazing that it would take you 51 billion years just to get to our next neighbor. But that's not what transforms you. What transforms you is that is the God that you serve that does that. That he is so big and he is so amazing. And so we tried to wow your heart last week of how big and how amazing our God is because those little problems that you have in your life are really little. Those little trials that you're going are still nothing in comparison to the size of our God and what he's capable of doing if we will behold his glory and not go, oh God, I need delivered, oh God, help me. Oh God, you're so stinking small, why haven't you answered me now? Now, now, I want it now. Did I say I wanted it now? I want it now. And he's saying, oh, big boy, I love you. Would you just relax and trust me? That thing is nothing. I'm just not doing it at the speed that you want me to do it. I'm doing it because I'm trying. I want you to see my heart. I want you to know my ways. I want you to seek me for who I am, not what I can do. Seek me after my face, not my hand. See me for who I really am. I want a relationship with you where you begin to explore the beauty of who I am. And out of the beauty of who I am, you become changed, you become different, and you begin to manifest the kingdom in such a powerful way. But if I give you everything that you want, you'll manifest greediness, you'll manifest flesh, you'll manifest what you want on the earth. Rather than what I want on the earth. And here's the sad thing, to look and to view and to continually be attention to God, to think fully and deeply about God, and to deliberately take time out of our week to, to, to behold the beauty of God, most Christians do it on Sunday morning. Most Christians, if they come to church once or twice a month, they're doing good. And if you're only beholding the glory of God on a Sunday morning, or you're only viewing other people behold the glory of God once or twice a month, you are not being transformed by the glory of Almighty God. You are being transformed by your flesh. You are being transformed by what you see in the world. You are being transformed by media. You are being transformed by the TV. You are being corrupted is what you're being. You're becoming a pattern of this world. And, and the word says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the way I renew my mind is by beholding 
by meditating, by contemplating on his glory. Can I have an amen in the house? That's the practical application of this. So I want to paraphrase 2 Corinthians according to Eric. From this definition, this is my paraphrase. I am not taking the word out of context. I'm not adding words. I'm not dishonoring God's word when I do this. I'm trying to put it in our vernacular. And we all here at New Covenant who have unveiled faces because we love Christ are steadily and intently observing, studying, and looking at the glory of our God with such curiosity and with such interest and such wonder that it is transforming us into the same image from glory to glory. That's what that scripture says. That we're looking at him so much that we're observing him with such curiosity and interest and wonder that by doing that, I'm being transformed from glory <laughs> to glory. Hallelujah. <laughs> glory. Right, Brother Chuck? Glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. So this verse says that as we behold God's glory by the Spirit, we are changed to be more like Him, transformed into His image, and we grow from one degree of glory to another. To be honest with you, I think this is the idea of growing to be more like Jesus. We change as we behold Jesus. Hebrews 1.3 says, that he, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus. And why was Jesus the radiance and the glory of his Father? What did he do all the time? He beheld the Father. He went to the mountain. He went to the garden. He went by the streams. His disciples would be with him, and he would retreat from them. And in hiddenness, where no one saw him, he would get alone with his heavenly father. And he would start talking to dad and saying, Hey, pops, I sure look forward to the time when I can come back and be with you. But for now, you've set me out for a mission, and I want to worship you. I want to glorify you, God, because you are amazing. And I only want to do what you want me to do. I only want to say what you want me to say. And I'm only going to speak what I hear you speak. So what are you saying today, Papa? I love you, and I worship you, Pops. And Jesus got alone, and he became, even though he was yet God, he was yet man. And he was a demonstration of the glory of God that we're to follow. So beholding or contemplating God is allowing our eyes and our hearts to be enlightened and focused on Jesus Christ. And when we do that, and when we begin to be amazed at what he's done and who he is, the substitutionary work of the cross, of how he took our place and he made a way for us where there was no way, where he took on the very sin of man. He took on my depravity. He took on my weakness. He took on my sickness. He took on my disease. And he became the substitution for it so that I could experience God. I could experience the glory and the manifestation of God. And when I begin to worship him that way and I begin to declare who he is, I become changed. And the word of God begins to be breathed out and I become a different man. And so as we behold him now, we are changed. Does anyone want to be changed? I mean, I know how condemnation works. I know how guilt works. I know how the enemy beats us up. 
when we're work, moving towards this life of living holy before God, I understand there is not one in this house who is living holy and pure before the God right now. I understand that it is a now and it is a future tense. I realize that we're becoming like that. And I know how the enemy really wreaks havoc on you when you make a mistake, when you fall short. He comes in like a flood and he accuses you of who you are and who you're not. And there is this mind game. There is this thing where we, according to Philippians, we have to bring every thought into captivity and the obedience of Christ. And we have to do warfare. We have to say, oh no, you slime ball. Oh yeah, I may have fallen short today, but I am a son of the Most High God. He, there has been something that's done for me through the power of Jesus Christ that I could not do myself. I do need a Savior, and He is mine, and He is my prize. And I have to do war, and I have to say, uh-uh, you ain't bringing me down. You're not going to discourage me. I know whose I am. There's a war that goes on inside of us. The war between the flesh and the spirit. But my friends, we never destroy the flesh with our flesh. I've said that several times. It is a supernatural thing to get darkness out of your life. You cannot buck up. You can't man up. You can't get strong enough in your own strength. It is a supernatural presence of Almighty God that moves you into holiness. And it's as you behold, as you contemplate, as you get in His presence in your personal time when nobody is looking, that is the application of holiness. That is where it's at. That's what changes us. And you might go, dear God, I can't do that. Every time I get up and I try to spend time with God, I fall asleep. Or I get bored and my mind goes, yeah, it gets, your mind goes all over the place because you've never trained it. Mine was that way too. I get the word of God out, I get alone with God and I get my worship on and I get going and it's like... Sleep apnea, I come against you in Jesus' name. And, and really, honestly, at first it, it becomes, it, it, at first it's not a, um, hallelujah, hallelujah. I mean, it's not like everything, you know, all the stars align and, and God comes down in his mighty glory and he manifests something to me right there at, at, at the beginning. Sometimes it's a sacrifice of praise. Sometimes your flesh just doesn't want to do what it needs to do. And I get that. But even the world knows, even the world knows and declares that you are changed by what you behold. Even the world says, birds of a feather. The world even says that if you, if you, um, if, if, if the, show me the five friends that you have and you're the average of the, those five friends, that who you hang around is what you become. I mean, Tony Robbins, who is a real estate guru and a finance guy, I'm not proclaiming he's a great guy, Go, he's on infomercials on TV, but even he knows it. You become who you spend time with. I mean, even the world's saying that. They know that you become like what you're around. We all know it. We all want it. Many are called. Few are chosen. Few do it. Many are satisfied with watching others go into the presence of God. Many enjoy the outer court experience. Beholding the Lord like this is more than an observation or watching others. Second Corinthians again says, and we all 
who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. And I know I'm stepping on all of our toes because all of us do not contemplate the Lord's glory enough. But I promise you, trying to behold the Lord's glory is not what transforms you. Hoping to contemplate or behold the Lord's glory is not what gets it. Having good intentions, the application of truth is this. We must behold the beauty of our God to be transformed. Blessed are the eyes that see the Lord. If you want to see Him, if you want to live holy, you must start beholding Him and contemplating His presence. You must contemplate Him, and as you do it, we are changed by what we behold. It's very simple. Now what I've done, it's 12 o'clock, I've asked four people to give me how they do it. I asked them, they're not going to come up, I'm going to read what they gave me. These are the questions I sent them this week. How do you personally behold or contemplate the glory of God? What works for you? And I put in there, no correct answer, just what works for you. Do you set aside time for this? Do you have a secret place or an atmosphere that works for you? And do you use music, the word, journal, praise, meditate, contemplate, passages, or what? What, what, what works? And do you believe you have been tra changed or transformed by beholding him? If so, could you give me an example or a testimony? Now, when I read these today, here's what I felt the Lord needed, was wanting to do. And I've asked different people. I, what I did is I went down to our church directory and I said, okay, God, who? And I, I got about 15 names. And then the Lord, I began to pray and the Lord gave me four. And when I, when I, when I share these, these four haven't arrived there's no hidden agenda of why I chose these four people, okay? If it's not you, don't, don't get your, you know, your panties in a wad because I didn't choose you. You, need to just, you just need to behold the Lord. But what I felt from the Spirit of God this week as I was praying, it's easy to say, oh, Eric, you're the pastor, you do this. I was, I was going to demonstrate what I do in my private time. I was going to demonstrate. I was going to take you through it. But instead, I felt like you needed to see people from young age to, to mid-age, how they do it. I, I chose, I felt like the Lord said, do intellectual people and do high-eye people and get it, because everybody does it different. But we need to see that there are people who are moving ahead. There are people that are not being left behind. There are people who are getting serious about contemplating the glory of God, and you need to know there are others that are doing it, and that you need to get along with us, and you need to move with us. And so the first one that I, I have here is Michelle Stewart. I love Michelle. Michelle, if you don't know her, she's that dark-headed one. I'm out in the very in the back there. Precious, precious. She said, I behold or contemplate the glory of the Lord by acknowledging who he is, by worshiping him, his attributes, his character. The more I know who he is, the more intimately I know my God and the more transformed into his image I become. He, she said, what works for me, and you may want to take notes if you don't know what to do, because you're going to find a theme throughout all four of these peoples. There's going to be words that God highlights for you. And when God highlights that word, write it down, because that's going to connect with way, maybe how you can begin to incorporate this in your life. This is what she said. What works for me is on-my-face worship. Saying out loud who he is and saying it to him. Out loud. Power in our words. And through music, Jesus culture on Pandora all day long. Also the word, reading it, studying it, teaching it, or talking it over with friends. 
The more I'm in his word, the more I know him as he speaks through his word. Therefore, the more I'm changed and transformed into who he created me to be. I'm not perfect at this. Really, I'm not very good at this at times. Beholding his glory needs to be daily. And when it's not, then my intimacy with him suffers. I forget who he is. And then I forget who I am. But when I acknowledge that he is sovereign, when I acknowledge that he is the creator of all things, when I acknowledge that he is the great I am, when I acknowledge my rock and my salvation, my refuge, my strength, my healer, my joy, when I praise him for being the almighty God as well as my father, my shepherd, my savior, my counselor, my hope, the light, the truth, and my king, then I remember who he says, I am. I'm a daughter of the king. Behold his glory because he is worthy. Amen. Is that good? You ready for some more? This is what the application of this word, guys. We got we to gotta get this in our hearts. Amen. Jeff Hughes, right over here. Jeff Hughes, I love him. He's a thinker. He's a contemplator. He's he thinks, Jeff, Jeff says, for quite some time the Lord has been telling me that verse of 2 Corinthians 3.18 and that I am changed into his presence. I find myself worshiping throughout my day at work as I listen to worship music on my headphones. I also spend time at home a few days a week in dedicated worship, study, and prayer. But, it, but in reality, I find my heart is always turned towards God. I am in communication with him often throughout every day, thanking him, praising him, and very often asking the Lord, why am I feeling what I'm feeling? I have lots of things I want to express to God as I behold him, but often find it hard to express the words of what I am really feeling. So I enjoy finding a worship song that agrees with how my heart feels right now, and I use that song to express my thanks and my praise to him. Because guys really struggle with what's going on on the inside and sometimes how to verbalize that. Women are so much better verbalizers. Anybody notice that? I mean, seriously. I mean, the average woman, she speaks 50,000 words a day and the average man speaks 30,000 words a day. Did you realize that? Women have wind gusts of up to 100,000. Now let's make this more spiritual. Okay, I, I, I lost you. I lost you. I lost you. Bring it back in. What are we talking about? Not women in words. What are we talking about? Beholding the glory of God. So he says, I, find, I enjoy finding a worship song that agrees with how my heart feels and use that song to express my thanks and my worship to God. The same thing goes with the word. Many times at home, in my room alone, I underlined that, I will read the word, find a verse that has some truth to my current situation or in my emotional state, and I repeat the verse out loud with a sincere heart and a thankful heart. And his presence just begins to envelop me as my heart comes into agreement with his word, and I find myself most often using psalms the book of Psalms, to express my heart to God. Good stuff. I don't always stick to a specific time, but most times it's usually after work, perhaps before supper. The kids are playing with their friends and Michelle is preparing dinner. Thank God for that amazing woman. I go into my room, shut the door, sit in the chair, unwind from my day at work, and spend some time with the Lord Sometimes 10 minutes, sometimes an hour. Yes, worship, I worship with music. Worship, and I worship with the word. Prayer and contemplation of the word are big. Again, just finding a verse that expresses my heart and worshiping through that, or finding a verse that stirs my interest in just asking God to help me and understand it. I have printed out Bible verses that are significant to me, 
and we began covering our wall with Bible verses. So I will stand in front of that wall with thanksgiving, and I will begin to proclaim and come into agreement with those words on the wall. Sounds like a war room. Yes, for a long time, the Lord has been pressing me to surrender more of my heart and my life to him. He doesn't relent. He doesn't relent. There's always something more to yield to him. And I find myself more willing than ever to let Jesus be my Lord and not just my Savior. Want to hear a couple more? Does this help you? I asked my son Joel to do this as well. And uh, I knew he did it because I hear him do it. And uh, here's what he said. I do so. How do you personally behold or contemplate the glory of the Lord? I do so by getting into his place, into this place of tenderness when nobody is looking. Have you noticed that several people said while nobody's looking? When there are no great decisions to make, when it's just I and him in the room, with no one to pray for, no one to preach to, no one to say anything to, when it's just two people in a room, that's where I learn. That's where I learn his heartbeat. That's where I learn the presence. That's where I learn his voice. It's in the moments when nobody is watching, nobody is evaluating how good I'm doing, when it is just me and him in a room. That's how I behold the glory of God. And I first start off with worship music. As I listen to a few songs and I continue to saturate myself with his presence as I worship him, I play one specific song. Michelle was Jesus culture. He said, I pray, I, I sing one song, and I move into a time of studying with that song, a study of word and prayer, and I play the song, Speak to Me. If you haven't heard that song by Bethel Music, powerful song, Speak to Me. So his, the song becomes a worship, and he starts with worship and praise and adoration, and then he begins to play this song of, Lord, speak to me. And I sit quietly as I position my heart to have a conversation with God. After the song, I share what is on my heart, and I give him a piece of my mind. <laughs> I hope that's a good way. No. I give him a piece of mind about what has been going on inside of me. After I talk to him, I sit in silence, and I allow him to tell me his thoughts on things. And if there's anything that he wants to talk about, I let him then direct the conversation. In other words, he shuts up. After having this conversation, I move into praying before reading scripture, and that Holy Spirit would blow over, uh, the Holy Spirit would blow on the words and make them come alive and give me life into a time of studying the context for the, each scripture and understand what's going on, not just the surface level of what the scripture says. I want to understand what's going on. After that, I journal what is going on in my heart, what I'm feeling, what emotions are stirring. And I again pour out my heart to him and tell him how I really feel. I then read a chapter of a book that I'm, a book that is on, I then read a chapter of a book that is on whatever book I'm reading about. Okay. I read a book, I read a chapter of the book, whatever book he's on for spiritual growth. He takes notes from the book and then he ends the time of his time with God with some worship songs and again praising him and glorifying him. I have to do this. He says, I have, to, I, have, I have this time with him every day now. It is part of my daily routine, and if I don't have it, my whole day is thrown off. Before I had these intimate times with God, I was going down a completely wrong path. I was chasing the American dream, chasing the two stories, white picket fence wife, uh, white picket fence, wife, 2.5 kids, and a dog. That was the lifestyle that I was pursuing. That's not necessarily bad, but it was not the path I was called to walk down. As I entered into his presence more and more, he began showing me my purpose. He began to change my heart. He changed my desires to become his desires for my life. The deeper I got into beholding his glory, he began giving me solutions to my problems in life and speaking to me about the path that he had paved for me. Now that the American dream lifestyle leaves me, it leaves me with a bitter taste in my mouth. And all I want to do 
is go into the world and spread the love of God through signs, wonders, and miracles. Amen. And then Tina Lenz. We love Tina Lenz over here. She's one of the high eyes that I asked. If you weren't guessing. By the way, Joel's a high eye too. So She said, as I think on the Lord, I think on his character and who he is. He is good. He is love. In that love, in that, love is patient, kind, gentle, long-suffering. It does not take offense to a suffered wrong. This is what happens to me when I first know him and then understand how he created his children. I believe it is my job as a believer, as I reflect on him and his beauty, to allow him through what his word says about me to meditate on that and then actually believe it. For me, the process looks like this. Don't get bored, guys. Stick with me. I know we're about done. This is what the process looks like for me. Thank you, Lord. You are good. You are holy. You are faithful. And I go into all the good things that come to my heart at that moment. I then go into saying this. Thank you, God, that you created me in your image. I have creative power in my words. I am anointed. My words are gracious and full of salt. I will accomplish the will of God for my life today. I am transformed by your word. I lay hands on the sick and the sick recover. I raise the dead. I cast out demons. I am more than a conqueror through you. As I do this, I feel empowered in my heart, and I feel the presence of God around me, and I sense how this blesses him. I believe God is all about order and structure. He didn't just randomly create the word or randomly create man. He had a vision, and then he made a plan, and then he started creating. So in that, I have found what works for me is first thing in the morning, I have a plan. I have a routine. I get up, feed the dogs, make coffee, and then either go to the front porch, which is an atmosphere, and start my day with these things, and I do it as soon as I get, or I also do it in my car as I'm heading, in the morning, heading out for the day. I don't set a specific time aside necessarily. I do love sitting on my front porch and listening to worship music and just enjoying God, but I have a set mind, I have my mind set to do this. God is with me all the time as I go about my day. I am constantly talking to him. I might be going to the store and I will say, what, 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 what should I do? What way should I go, Lord? Or I may ask on the grocery list, what sounds good for dinner today, God? He always answers and he has the best plan. When I get perturbed or upset, I usually say something like, oh, Jesus, you need to take the wheel. I'm about to go postal. And Chad says that happens often. No. <laughs> but God always moves on me with compassion. And I say, okay, Lord, help that person and bless that person. And I do all these. She says, I, I do do music and I do do the word. I journal, I praise, I meditate. I do all this depending on some of my feelings, on how the Holy Spirit is leading me. Again, I incorporate this into my whole day. And I said, do you believe or are you being changed and transformed by beholding God? And she said, absolutely, yes. The more I do these things and behold God, basically I have a relationship with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. The more I want to be more, the more I want, the more, okay. Yes, the more I do these things and basically have a relationship with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the more I want to be more like him and closer to him. So my testimony, I love when people tell me that I light up the room or they feel better after they have talked with me. I know that they have experienced the love of God through me. I know that God loves his creation and he wants to use us to spread his love. I always feel so blessed when I leave these encounters with God because I also feel the love of God for that person and then the Father loving on me. When I behold him and then see myself like he sees me, I feel bolder and confident in my faith. Amen. So, 
we are transformed by beholding the glory of God. I was talking to Gage, our drummer, before service today. And I said, Gage, what was your take home from camp? He was at youth camp this week. I saw him out there when I shared in the word at camp. I said, so what was your take home from camp? He said, well, he said, people can keep telling you and telling you and telling you that you need to do it. But I came away from camp and I have to make a choice to do it. Kind of like the bringing a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. People can tell you to do it over and over and over. But he said, I just need to make a choice to do this instead of just waiting back. And that's the way it is today for all of us. I used some of those idioms several weeks ago. You can't lead a horse to water, or you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. It's time to poop or get off the pot. It's time. It's time. I know that's some wild language. It's high time. I used all kinds of idioms to speak to us that God is saying, it is time to behold my presence. If you want to live a pure, holy life, you ain't good enough in your own strength. It's not a natural thing. It's supernatural. And we've got to connect. And we've got to contemplate. And we've got to behold the supernatural one. And when we behold the beauty of our God, I'm changed. I'm changed by what I behold. And I know the Spirit of God is here today convicting us heavy because we get so busy we get so distracted we focus on inferior pleasures but we don't go to our front porch we don't listen to the beauty of God all around us we don't meditate we don't ponder the beauty of our amazing God. And I want to challenge you like Gage challenged me. I can keep saying it. And I can keep saying it. The Spirit of God can keep knocking and keep knocking on your heart. I have to make a choice. And there's a bunch of people in this house who are making choices to get in the presence of Almighty God. There is a bunch of people in this house who are moving from the outer court to the inner court. And they're moving from the inner court to the holy place. And they're moving from the holy place to the inner sanctuary where no one is watching. Where no one is listening. And they're beholding the beauty of His majesty. The beauty of His holiness. And as they gaze, and as they ponder, and as they meditate on His beauty, and as they fear Him, and as they honor Him, and as they bow face before Him, and say, holy, holy, changed <laughs> they're being empowered they're going from glory to glory and they're getting transformed by our almighty God and I know that's all of you I know everyone in this room you've got to make a choice you've got to say yes God I'm gonna start doing this I don't care if it's five minutes you got to start somewhere besides Sunday morning The prophetic word was, some in this house will not go with you. Some won't go. 
it can be a lonely place because we're not talking about being entertained by God. We're talking about being with God. Many churches entertain, but we're not about entertainment. We're about getting in the presence of Almighty God. What are you going to do? If you would, stand with me. God wants to, make a, wants to offer you an opportunity to make a decision. What's the decision going to be? God has been prophetically speaking that this church is in a decision-making season. Who will go with me to the mountain of the Lord? Who will go with me to the mountain of our God? Who will say yes? Who will go? What is the Spirit of God speaking to your heart? What is the Spirit of God asking of you? Father, in the name of Jesus, in my heart and in my natural man, I am saying yes. I want to encourage you to verbalize your commitment to God. Not many go. But I believe God's raising up a remnant here who are going to go. Father, we desire to live holy before you, but Lord, we realize that it's only through you that you are our holiness and you are the supernatural power, the Ruach, the Holy Ghost that moves through us to become holy, to begin to spend time and to contemplate with you. And Father, in my heart, I say yes. In my heart, I am saying yes. And Father, I come against every force of the enemy over the congregation of New Covenant. We bind every principality that's trying to distract the people of God from saying yes. We come against every spirit that tries to consume what you are doing right now. Holy Ghost, we ask for your power to move on our hearts. We ask for your power to break chains, to break off apathy, to break off a sleeping giant. And we ask God that you would penetrate our hearts that go way beyond Sunday morning. That God, this week, we will become a people who ponder your glory, who contemplate your beauty. We say yes. We